when we get to the punchline of the whole passage, by then I'm hoping you can actually point it out to me instead of me pointing it out to you, all right? So a little bit of work for you, a little bit of anticipation, hopefully not too much stress. There's lots of people who can give the answers so we can relax and do this together. Luke 2. Hear the Word of God. Kate, anyone wants to know that back screen is completely messed up. So good thing I opened my Bible to the right passage. Luke 2, starting at verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now... There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. What happened? It appeared. just want to take a minute to pause and allow you to look at the stunning pictures because that helps us worship and especially if you're artistic it helps you worship probably better than words so we've been on this advent journey talking about extraordinary ordinary and we will continue that right on to christmas day as we look at what seem to be ordinary people on the journey of Jesus coming into this world and seeing how extraordinary their circumstances become when they meet Jesus, when they become part of this story. And today, for the fourth Sunday, fourth and final Sunday of Advent, our topic is Marvel. Now, if you're a fair bit younger than me, when I say Marvel, you probably think Marvel Cinematic Universe and Spider-Man and all those kinds of things. I need to tell you that I only know that Spider-Man's part of Marvel because I had to look it up online, so that's my depth of knowledge. And so if you can find, as such a young person, 
who may be interested in these things, any connection between what I say here today and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I want to hear about it because I think that would be really cool and very creative. That said, I'm not going there. This is just my title. So what I'm going to do with you today is, so this is actually the part you need your Bible open for, not the part where I was reading. That too, but you need to see the structure of how this passage is put together because I think it helps us understand um, how this passage works. Now, three or four weeks ago when I preached on Romans 14, I showed you some stuff in that passage and one of you did your homework. God bless you. I love it when you do as much homework as I do for this. That's really cool. And you said, I couldn't find what you said in the commentaries. I couldn't find it on Bema, which is the people I always advertise. And the answer to why you couldn't find that was, I came up with that. All right? And I'm allowed to do that, I think. That's my job. Right? And I'm saying that because that's true today, too. I'm going to show you a structure in here which nobody pointed out to me. Maybe somebody has seen it before. Right? So that's why you need to look in your Bible. Your job is to make sure I'm not just making stuff up. Right? That's always your job, of course, but especially today, check and see if I got this, if you see what I see in this passage. Okay? So, this is how it starts. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, I'm going to pause there. When we talk about the law in the Bible, when the Bible re- talks about the law, it's almost always the law of Moses, right? That rings true. That's not strange. For the rest of this passage, it's called the law of the Lord. Right? The law of the Lord. And that struck me because, that's helpful, um, that struck me because the law of the Lord, when you start Googling that or searching that in your Bible, the only place it shows up in the Torah, which is the law, the first five books of Moses, is in the very passage being referred to here, the dedication of firstborn or consecration of firstborn children to God. And so not only is that what's going on, at the beginning of this passage, Mary and Joseph go to fulfill the law of the Lord, that very specific term. And then when they're done, it mentions again the law of the Lord. Now, if you've been listening along with me to Bema, you've probably heard of a chiasm. Chiasm is just really an X, right? And an X can be folded this way, and an X can be folded this way. And when a Jewish writer writes, they love to make pictures with their words. And so they'll start with a word like law of the Lord, and they'll end with a word like law of the Lord because it stands out. And you'll be thinking... Why did they start and end with that word? Oh, maybe there's a pattern here, and it's going to show us the way to the core truth of this passage. I think that's what's going on. You test it with me. It starts with law of the Lord. It ends with the law of the Lord. Then it goes here. I switched. There we go. Temple, Jerusalem. She. No, I went to, I see. Can you back me up one, please? Thank you. Jerusalem temple. I'm giving it away. Yes. Jerusalem temple here. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. And then here at the end of the story, she, that's Anna, never left the temple looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So now we have this much. It starts with the law of the Lord, God's commands, the things we're supposed to be doing. And then it moves to the to Jerusalem, the city of God, the temple, the center of the city of Jerusalem. And of course, the whole deal with the city of Jerusalem and the temple was, that's where you obeyed the things in the law of the Lord. So it seems pretty straightforward. We're moving to, and it starts the law of the Lord, goes to Jerusalem, then temple, and at the end it goes, temple, Jerusalem, law of the Lord. 
So we have the outsides. Okay? Again, test me to see if it's in that passage. Then you have this. The senior saints. Simeon and Anna. But look how they're described. Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Then you have the prophet Anna, and if you're a prophet, you have the Holy Spirit. That's where you get your inspired prophetic words from. She worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. We have here two folks who lived their lives from start to finish, consistently being in the presence of God and allowing him to bless them. So we started with the law of the Lord, which of course is the boundaries, the rules, the guideline for how you live for God. Then we had Jerusalem, the city of God, the temple, the place where you meet God. And then you have two people who spent their time in the temple living for God. I think we're seeing a theme here, right? And the cool thing, structurally anyways, is that it starts with the law of the Lord, ends with the law of the Lord, and we're moving toward the center. You can start looking anytime you want to try and figure out what's dead center in this passage, because that's going to be the point. I will get there soon enough. As we look at these senior saints and the way they lived, I'm reminded of some senior saints I've met along the way. I remember early in ministry bumping into a woman who, when I told her we were going to, I forget exactly what it was, but we were going to do something in the church, she says, I've been praying for that for my entire life. That's the kind of people Simeon and Anna were. That's the kind of people I love to meet because they are people who have this sense, God has called me to pay attention to one particular part of his kingdom, when you look at a group this size, if all of us are paying, paying attention to one particular part of his kingdom, we got a lot of parts of his kingdom being covered in prayer or in other activities. Every week when, or every time that I'm here and I do the prayer or the community, I'm usually feeling overwhelmed by that because I named, say, seven names, and there's about 40 that we have listed somewhere, right? And, of course, there's about 700 people in our database and I'm thinking, how can we pray for all these people? And then I remember that every Wednesday night, there's a group of folks who gather right here in the library to pray, and they almost get all 700 of you every week. They're quite amazing. Not quite. But these are our Annas and Simeons, right? And they're not the only ones. They're one example of folks who are experiencing what it means to follow the plans of God with the people of God and the places of God so that we can be in touch with what he's doing. All right, moving closer to the center. First, we have the first thing that Simeon says. And this is the praise. I call it praise for the plan because what he says is, one, before this piece, he says, God, you promised me that I would see your son being born or brought into this world, and now I can die. What a dedication. He wanted to live his life for God so much so that he said, when I see what you have told me you're going to do, that's good enough for me. But then he says this, for my eyes have seen your salvation, you have been, you have prepared in the sight of all nations, light for a revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And what he's saying here is basically the same thing God said to Abraham when he started this whole journey with his people. He said, I will make you a blessing to the nations. You will be a blessing to all people. And so when Simeon sees this little baby Jesus, he looks at him and says, in this child, all the world is going to start to hear about who God is and experience his truth in this world, which was God's plan right from the beginning. Now, the second word 
I call blessing. And I put a question mark behind that. So listen, and Sarah and Gavin, you listen particularly. See if you think this is a blessing that you'd want prayed over your child. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that, in the, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The passage says it's a blessing. That's why I call it a blessing. But I got questions about that. Because this sense that God's going to do his plan, word one, that through Jesus all kinds of people are going to come to know what truth and peace and love are all about is also going to come through this word this prophetic blessing a sword will pierce your own soul too this is going to be a tough journey for mary and joseph because it's a tough journey for jesus and we know and in a little while we're going to participate in communion and when we participate in communion allow me to slide that forward we talk about the body and blood of Christ because we're remembering his suffering. And if you read the whole story of Jesus, it's not hard to see how this blessing comes true because his journey was a challenge. As the very one who was supposed to come to the people of Israel and fulfill the plan that was there all along, it's in all the prophets, the one who came to do exactly what they were looking for, he ended up being the one they we put to death didn't fit our game plan right and that's something to pay attention to so we may love being part of the church we may love the law of the lord we may love being part of a community we may love being part of mountain view we love being part of the church but the word that god gives us as we do those religious ritual kinds of things as we are called to do is this i came for everyone a light to the nations and to the gentiles and the way I come, the way things change, is sometimes a little more difficult than you anticipate. Sometimes it requires that when you receive the love of God, you understand what he says about love, that love looks like this. Laying down your life for a brother or a sister. And greater love has no one than this to lay down their lives for their brothers and sisters. And it's through that sacrificial understanding that Jesus comes into this world and offers himself. And the blessing that's, that Simeon gives him is that that's the way this is going to work. Through his pain, through the suffering, we come to the place of peace and love and hope and all the things of Christmas. Okay, let's make sure you've caught up with me so far. We have. The law of the Lord at the top and the bottom, 1 and 9, if you can't see that. Then 2 and 8 is the Jerusalem temple part. Then you have the senior saints, and then you have the words of praise and blessing. And now we're going to get to right in the center of this passage. Can anybody see what's right in the center of this passage based on those lines? Aaron, you got it? Just kidding, buddy. You don't have to talk. Anyone? Can you read it? Bingo. There's no prizes in church, but you would get one if there were. Yes. The child's... We have it up here. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. That's the main thing of this whole passage, because it's right smack in the middle. 
and some clues that I might be right about this are things like, you probably all memorized at some point if you've been part of the church a long time, Luke, 1, Luke 2, 1 to 20, right? And at the end it says, and Mary pondered all these things or treasured all these things in her heart, right? And if you know the, when Jesus goes to the temple, that's the next story right after the one we're looking at now. There it says again, and, G, and Mary marveled and, and pondered all these things in her heart. And then at the dead center of the whole passage and the dead center of this passage, we have the father's, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So structurally, it's the middle. Now, why is that so important? Why is that so important? We might have thought it was probably the stuff about the Gentiles and or the stuff about this being a challenge, the, the words. But the middle is they marveled. Because when we see God's goodness, when we pay attention to all the amazing things that God does in Jesus Christ, all the things that God is doing in this world through us right now, our first task is to marvel, is to wonder, is to look at this and say, not, oh yeah, I see that, that makes sense, I got this, but to be continually amazed that God's way is through a little baby, God's way is through these Ordinary, everyday people who follow him, Simeon and Anna. God's way is through all kinds of rituals that sometimes seem empty and just simply repetitive. And yet God's way is stunning and challenging. And it's happening even in this world where we seem to be thinking, things are pretty rotten right now. There's a lot of strife around us. There's a lot of brokenness. And yet God is saying, please marvel, because I am bringing peace even now. Please marvel, because even when Christ is on the cross, redemption is on the way. Even when it looks like everything is going south, God is raising things up in hope towards peace. Simply marvel. Because faith is about marveling. It's about thinking, I don't quite see it all. I must tell you, the more I study the Bible, the more I preach, the more I think about these things, the more questions that get raised for me. And I think God just keeps saying to me, Eric, just marvel at my goodness. Just trust. Simply believe and see. And I will show you in the end fully, and I'll show you hints along the way, that even in some of those darkest moments, even at this darkest time of year, my light, the truth of Jesus Christ, and his love for us will shine. Let's marvel. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, as we open your wonderful word, as we see you as that living word, we thank you that we can see that you are at work in ways that may be strange to us or confusing to us, but that you are God and you are good. And this is true all the time. Give us, we pray, the ability to wonder and marvel, but also the ability to hold on in faith and to trust as we walk forward with you. God, guide us into your presence. May all the different traditions and rituals and actions that come around Christmas continue to point us to a place where we're stunned and in awe at your goodness and your truth. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.